to turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 and following. That's on page 987 of your pew Bibles, 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning reading with um, verse 13 and uh, reading through the end of the chapter. Uh, This is the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. Uh, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the unfailing promises of your word, promise of salvation by grace through faith in Christ, Uh, the promise, Lord, gospel promise that Christ is coming again uh, for his beloved children, for his blood-bought church, and he will bring us home to glory, and we will always be with the Lord. Lord, may we be living faithfully um, in in between these Two glorious promises of Scripture, Christ's incarnation and Christ's return, Lord. May your Holy Spirit be at work within our hearts even this morning, Lord, so that we might be hearers and doers of your word. All to your glory and praise, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, during these Sundays leading up to Christmas, we've been considering the scriptural truth that God himself is with us. We saw that there in Isaiah 7.14, that gospel prophecy of Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. You shall call his name Emmanuel. We saw that gospel promise repeated then. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, made it even more clear that that title, Emmanuel, referred to Christ himself. Then last Lord's Day, we focused on that glorious hope of Christ, 
John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have beheld his glory. Now to conclude our series on this Sunday after Christmas, we'll be reading God's promise of assurance that we will always be with the Lord. Scripture gives us both promises, that God is with us in Christ and we will always be with Christ. Christ is with us now, even in our sorrows, struggles, the sadness of death. You know, we can rest and rejoice in the gospel assurance that the Lord Jesus himself will be coming again uh, to take us home to heaven. And we will always be with the Lord, home with God. You know, so this morning as we consider Christ's second advent, his second coming, we'll see that in Scripture, sorrowing believers receive gospel assurance of Christ's second advent. You know, what should sorrowing believers know uh, about Christ's second advent? You know, we don't have all the scriptural answers here in this one portion of scripture, but it's a, it's a most precious portion of scripture. Now, here we see the, the certainty of Christ's return, the conquest uh, of his return, and finally the comfort of Christ's second advent. We'll begin with that gospel certainty of Christ's second advent. I invite you to keep your Bibles open uh, to uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter verse 13. You know, 1 Thessalonians, again, just to give you a, a quick overview, uh, this was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this church that he had visited on his second missionary journey. It was a strong church. They had a firm faith in Christ, but there was one spiritual, scriptural issue that they were struggling with, and that was their uncertainty about the second coming of Christ, their uncertainty about the death of believers. What will happen to believers in the grave? And so beginning in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, the Apostle Paul addresses their anxiety about the death of believers and God's plan for their bodies and preparing them for the return of Christ. How to live with gospel hope as we await Christ's return. You know, in the struggle there, and the Apostle Paul you know, deals with it directly, verse 13 uh, they're struggling with scriptural ignorance. You know, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, brothers and sisters. We don't want you to be clueless. We don't want you to be without knowledge. We don't want you to continue to uh, sink into doubt and despair. You know, so here. Uh, God's word is reassuring them, teaching them, you know, about God's loving truth, about death of believers and the return of Christ. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. 
I'll pause there for, for a minute. What does it mean for a Christian to be asleep? You know, it's not a Sunday afternoon nap. You know, to be asleep in Christ means that our bodies are resting in the graves. You know, asleep. You know, Christians who have died, but their souls are even now in glory. You know, they've fallen asleep in Christ. I'll give you a couple scriptural examples. Daniel, even back in Daniel, Old Testament book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. Daniel 12, 2, and many of those who sleep in the dust of death shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Uh, We see that same word, asleep, used of Stephen in Acts chapter 7, verse 59. You remember Stephen is the first Christian martyr, stoned to death for his faith in Christ. Acts 7, verse 59, and as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You know, that, that's what the body of even of a dead believer looks like. They look like they're asleep. But even using that word asleep, what does it imply? That one day we will awake. And stay tuned uh, to, to what scripture here is teaching us. But even with this opening verse here, verse 13, there, there's a hint of a rebuke here. You know, Christians, you ought to know about the return of Christ. You ought to be reading scripture studying scripture. William Hendrickson put it this way, ignorance concerning spiritual realities is always bad for the believers. And so a quick application here, I would challenge you, and you can challenge me that in this coming year that that we have a, a greater and growing knowledge of what God's word teaches about all things necessary for life and godliness. So there's a scriptural ignorance. That's their first struggle here. But there's sorrow as well. Back to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. That you may not grieve or sorrow as others who have no hope. Yes, we as Christians grieve at death. It's not sinful to shed tears, you know, when, when our loved ones die. But we are not to grieve as those who have no hope. You know, think of Mary and Martha grieving at the death of their brother Lazarus. Both Mary and Martha had a, had a clear, fruitful faith in Christ, and yet they still grieved at Lazarus's homegoing. You know, Scripture calls Christians to grieve with hope. You know, think about that. The next time you, you go to a funeral home, a funeral, visitation. You know, we are those who grieve, yes, but we do not. We grieve as those with hope. Hope in Christ, hope in his humble birth, his holy life, his redeeming death for our sins. If you skip ahead to 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, you know, that, that's a theme here in 1 Thessalonians, that theme of hope, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. So there is a scriptural ignorance, a sorrow, but now verse 14, still thinking about the gospel certainty of Christ's second advent, there, there's a, a promise of, of salvation assurance in, in verse 14. For since we, you know, we as a body of believers, we are we who are united together in our faith in Christ, you know, we believe, actually it's present tense, we believe it now and we will continue to believe this until Christ comes again. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. You know, there, there's a simple way of proclaiming the gospel. What do we believe about Jesus? Yes, we believe that he was born, became flesh, But more importantly, Jesus died for our sins on the cross. He rose again from the grave. Our faith rests in Christ. You know, the same Jesus who was born in a manger, proclaimed the gospel, suffered, died for our sins on the cross, triumphantly rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, you know, our our Faith rests upon the completed work of Christ. And now this reassuring, getting into the meat here. Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Now first, God graciously brings and immediately brings the souls of believers home to glory when they take their last breath here on earth, when their eyelids close in death. You know, Second Corinthians chapter five puts chapter five verse eight puts it this way Second Corinthians five verse eight. Yes, we are of good courage and would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. You know, for Christians You know, at death, we're immediately at home with the Lord. And so here the promise in verse 14, salvation assurance. No, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And and so you can begin to picture this in in your mind's eye. Here in 1 Thessalonians 4, you know, as we're thinking of the second coming of Christ, one of the, the priority here is, you know, God will come down from glory, bringing with him, you know, the souls of those who have been trusting in Christ for their salvation. God will bring those saints in glory with him. You know, and it's a certainty because of Christ's first advent. 
You know, there's a newer, think of it this way, there's a newer Christmas carol hymn. It's entitled, O Come, All Ye Unfaithful. And yes, you heard that right. O Come, All Ye Unfaithful. Um, By Sovereign Grace. Listen to just a few of the lines. And you'll see the reason for the title. O come, bitter and broken. Come, with fears unspoken. Come, taste of his perfect love. O come, guilty and hiding ones. There is no need to run. See what your God has done. And then the chorus, Christ is born, Christ is born, Christ is born for you. Now, there's a gospel certainty. You know, here in Christ's second advent, you know, built upon that first advent in Christ. And so we can say, righteous Joseph, blessed Mary, And the humble shepherds rejoiced at Christ's prophesied birth. But may we even now be rejoicing in Christ's certain return. You know, that we live in gospel hope even now, even in the face of sorrow. The gospel certainty of Christ's second advent. Now in verses 15 and 16, we'll we'll see the gospel conquest. In Christ's second advent. You know, there, 1 Thessalonians 4, 15, for this we, you know, here it's the Apostle Paul, Silas, and Timothy were with him on this missionary journey. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not proceed or go before those who have fallen asleep. It's an apostolic proclamation by Paul. He speaks of the word of the Lord. We declare to you by a word of the Lord, and a lot of ink has been spelt trying to discern that, but I believe Pastor John MacArthur had the best response. He believes that Paul is referring to the word of the Lord in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 1. Let me read these verses, verses 1 through 3. Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, and now listen, I will come again. And will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. You know, that, that's Christ's promise uh, to his children, to Christians. You know, and listen to these foundational scriptural truths. You know, again, this is just one scriptural snapshot, but it's an important picture of the return of Christ. You know, that we who are alive, still verse 15, you know, that, that Christians who are they're still standing upright awaiting the return of Christ, we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord. You know, at the very least, this, this teaches us that there will always be a righteous remnant here on earth. 
that Christ will always have his church and his children here, even awaiting Christ's return. It's a comforting truth for living Christians. You know, have I been forgotten? Did Christ come again and I not hear about it? No. There, there will be living Christians here on earth until Christ comes again. The Lord has not forgotten us. To borrow a phrase, we're not left home alone at Christmas. You know, our Lord providentially prepares us and preserves us here in our sin-fallen world until Christ comes again. And don't ever forget that our conquering Lord promises to come again. Those who are alive will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So God brings with him, as we'll see, those who are asleep, though he brings them from glory, their bodies are asleep. But then another scriptural truth here. You know, we who are alive will not go before those whose bodies are still resting in the grave. Living believers will not rise to glory before sleeping believers. You know, and three scriptural evidences of our gospel conquest in Christ. This gives us security for struggling believers here on earth. Look, you know, closely there at verse 16. You know, three evidences. First, it will be a public return of Christ. Everyone will know. Christians, non-Christians. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. Matthew Henry writes, in all pomp and power. It's a public return. Secondly, it's a powerful return. It's not only a visible return, you know, but, but here three strong sounds of victory. First, with a cry of command. It's the shout of a, a military commander, a five-star general. Barking orders, well, lovingly barking orders. You know, we, we see this same truth in John chapter 5, verse 25. John 5, verse 25. Now, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. You know, that's the command that God is going to, to shout out. You know, to the dead, just as Jesus shouted out to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus came forth from the tomb. Uh, It's a powerful return of Christ with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet. it's, It's challenging here to say whether these will be three distinct sounds or whether they'll be one sound, three and one here. Voice of an archangel, the the sound of a of a trumpet. Think of some say it's an archangel sounding God's trumpet. What's a trumpet? It's a clear signal of God's coming judgment and of His coming conquest. You see the sound of a trumpet throughout Scripture. Most certainly, you'll see it in the Book of Revelation. But listen to this: Exodus chapter nineteen, verse sixteen. They were here at Sinai. 
Exodus 19.16. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. So this trumpet sound seems to be proclaiming the the coming of Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then the third scriptural evidence, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first. Each part of that is important. They're not only dead, but the dead in Christ. Those who have been trusting in Christ, living in union with Christ. Reformation Study Bible adds a helpful note here, a a good Bible to uh, add to your library. Uh, The note is this, a rising of all the righteous dead, not merely New Testament believers. All the saints of the Old Testament, as well as of the New Testament. The dead in Christ will rise first. and The first fruits, we know that Christ himself rose again from the grave. He conquered sin and death in the grave. Put a little footnote in your notes or in your Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, read the whole chapter. You know, but we see this throughout Scripture, you know, especially in the New Testament with the coming of Christ. You know, a spoiler alert of Christ's faithful, final, and full conquest of death. Death. Lazarus rose from the grave. After three days, Christ called him forth. The widow of Nain's son looked at it this morning in Sunday school. Jairus' daughter, raised from the dead. You know, at Christmas, we rightly rejoice in Christ's first advent. That's a good thing. You know, but I say this with a a bit of caution. You know, there's a danger of romanticizing Jesus' humble birth. Well, there's all the farm animals surrounding him, Bending their knee. You know, there's radiant beams shining forth from Jesus' faith. You know, they make they make for nice Christmas cards, you know, but they're extra biblical accounts. They're they're not to be found in Scripture. You know, we think it was a, a glorious birth. Jesus was laid in, in a manger, you know, a, a feeding trough for animals. Possible that Jesus was born in in a dark, damp cave outside of Bethlehem. But why did Jesus come? You know, he came to die for our sins on the cross. You know, and in the second advent, Jesus comes again. And so there is greater cause for rejoicing as we look forward to Jesus' second coming, it's good to look back. Thank God for sending his one and only son to die for our sins on the cross. 
But we as Christians as well are are to be looking forward in faith that Christ is coming again. You know, on this closing Sunday of 2021, it's easy for Christians to feel defeated, discouraged, you know, challenges. You know, 2022, still be battling COVID. Who knows what variant at that point. You know, a crisis in politics. Or or you might be uh, confronting health issues, family struggles, economic problems. You're wrestling with grief. You have a fear about the future, raising children. What's it going to look like? You know, but hear God's gospel promise of conquest there in First Thessalonians 4, verse 15. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Finally, there's a gospel comfort. Quickly, the last two verses there, First Thessalonians 4, 17 and 18. A gospel certainty of Christ's second advent. A gospel conquest in Christ's second advent, but a a gospel comfort in Christ's second advent. The climatic verse in this critical portion of scripture about Christ's second advent really is there in verse 17, especially the last half. Hear it again. And we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, And so we will always be with the Lord. If you have your own Bibles with you, underline that section. Put a little asterisk by it or put it in your sermon notes. We will always be with the Lord. You know, to borrow John Stott's outline for this section of scripture, uh, alliteration, the return of Christ, the resurrection of believers, the rapture, and that's the word he uses. And to the end of the reunion of Christ, of believers with Christ. Yes, there is a rapture. It's okay to use that word, even in a Reformed church. Uh, we don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, but Scripture speaks of the rapture of, of believers. We will be caught up. That's the word. The rapture of all believers, not just some believers. You know, take a close look at the central truths taught in 1 Thessalonians 4. You know, we've already learned about the personal, powerful, public, and loud return of the Lord. We've learned about the resurrection of the righteous believers buried in the grave. Now the living believers will be carried off, caught up. You know, it's, it's a strong verb. It, it means to seize suddenly with strength, almost with force. You know, it's not like Jesus taking our, our pinky. You know, it, it, it's, it's a picture of Christ's power over sin, his, his powerful, gracious grasp of believers It's a sovereign snatching away of the sheep by the good shepherd. 
will be caught up together with them, you know, with those saints who have been resurrected from the grave, together with them in the clouds, the clouds as you go through scripture, a symbol of God's majestic presence. And there will be a reunion you know, together at the same time with them. Living believers will be gloriously and graciously reunited with their once sleeping brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, John Stott helps us here. Thus the descending Lord and the ascending saints from heaven and earth will be united. Together they will meet the Lord in the air. That, that word meet speaks of citizens going out to, to greet a, an important dignitary. You know, one commentator captured it this way, quote, the king of kings will have an escort of overjoyed people from among the inhabitants of this planet. You know, to add a third are here, it's a word of reassurance, and so we will always be with the Lord. Note that word, we. You know, so often we think of, of Christianity, our faith in Christ, well, it's just me and God. No, it, you know, it's a picture of all Christians, you know, gathered together in wonderful glory. You know, a word of reassurance, and we will always be with the Lord. Again, double underline that word always. We will always. You know, our our problems, our struggles, our fears, doubts, they're going to pass away. But we will always be with the Lord. You know, and what's our response? Verse 18. Therefore, encourage. We lose a little bit of that in our English translations. It's a command. Therefore, all of you comfort, encourage, strengthen, give gospel hope to one another with these words. You know, these gospel truths are, are... are not just to be read once and then laid aside to collect dust. Keep on encouraging one another. I believe it's a, it's a gospel message we need coming into this new year. You can fill me in. I don't know too many people who are saying, man, I can't wait for 2022 to come. Man, I'm so excited. I'm going to stay up all night so I can... You know, be awake. You know, but here God gives us hope, comfort. You know, in case you were wondering what Christians should be doing on this Sunday after Christmas, a little bit of meddling here. You know, not just playing with our, our Christmas presents, not just reading the new books, consuming more Christmas cookies and coffee. You know, God's word calls us to comfort our fellow Christians with the gospel. The gospel that provides us with a precious hope in Christ's death, resurrection, and his promised return for all believers. 
who are asleep and believers who are faithfully awaiting his second advent. Close this way. You might have thought it strange that we we sang on Jordan's stormy banks, I stand on this Sunday after Christmas, not a Christmas hymn. It's an old hymn written by uh, Dr. Samuel Stennett, who was a Baptist preacher in London in the uh, mid-1700s. The tune we use is an indelible grace tune. Uh, But this hymn details the struggles of a believer as they are standing on this side of glory, you know, awaiting death or awaiting the return of Christ. You know, listen again uh, just to a few of these verses, and I'll make a quick application. The words are in our bulletin. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand, anticipating death, anticipating heaven, and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. All o'er those wide extended plains shines one eternal day. Their God to the sun forever reigns and scatters night away. And so the question here uh, for uh, Dr. Stennett and for us, the last verse, when shall I reach that happy place And be forever blessed. When shall I see my father's face and in his bosom rest? We will always be with the Lord. No great hope, comfort uh, for us here at the close of 2021. Looking forward to 2022. May the Lord use us. As Christians, may the Lord use us as his church to proclaim his gospel comfort that can be found by grace through faith in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you. We thank you for the humble, holy birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. We thank you for his resurrection from the grave. Lord, we thank you for this gospel promise that Christ is coming again to take us home to glory. And we will always be with the Lord. And Lord, may we live in light of Christ's return. May we be used of you, Father, not only to comfort our fellow believers, Lord, use us as well to proclaim this gospel hope to those who are grieving, those who are struggling, those who are fearful, those who need a Savior. And Christ is that Savior. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.